Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Kettle Call podcast. Let's go ahead and call Brooke Latek, who is one of our guests today. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Good. How are you? Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Thank you, Brooke. After launching the career call, research call, and the feedlot call, today we are starting one more series of our weekly podcast, which is with Dr. Richard Zinn, and it's called The Cuisine. So Dr. Richard Zinn is a professor at UC Davis in the Department of Animal Science, and he's been down here at the Desert Research and Extension Center doing feedlot research. Yes, Dr. Zinn has been here for almost 40 years or pretty close to 40 years. So let's go ahead and welcome Dr. Zing. Hello, Dr. Zing. Hello, Pedro and Brooke. Uh, how are you today? Very good, thank you. Thank you for participating with us. The way that these episodes are going to work, we are receiving questions for our listeners and friends and people who follow our work, and we are going to pass that to, to Dr. Richard Zing. Last feedlot research call, we, we talk about urea, and I think that caught the, the, the attention for some of our listeners, and we received one question that's specifically related to urea. Yeah, so that question is, what is the potential benefit of using slow release urea or protected urea in feedlot diet. Do you think it has a beneficial usage based on the buffer capacity of ammonia in the rumen or when animals are fed less ruminal digestible starch, such as in Brazil, where cattle are predominantly consuming cracked corn instead of flake corn? So yeah, Dr. Zin, if you could talk a little bit about the question and answer what is the beneficial of using slow release urea in feedlots and if there is any potential or benefits of using that you are not? This is a, actually, this is a very good question. Uh, the idea of efficient utilization of non-protein nitrogen like urea in the diet, this has been a, a subject of investigation for many, many, many years. And researchers have attempted to address the concept of synchronization of nitrogen availability in the rumen with the microbial growth. And this has led to just so many published studies trying to show that synchronization is beneficial. Unfortunately, it has not been possible to demonstrate that. In other words, going back 40 years, studies where researchers have actually infused urea at a continuous rate throughout the day, compared that with just one single dose of urea into the rumen and have shown no difference in microbial efficiency. In other words, the amount of net protein synthesized in the rumen uh, entering the small intestine. Now, this addresses one aspect of urea supplementation, and that is to meet the requirements in the rumen for nitrogen for microbial growth. The difficulty in this is that these studies were not able, even though urea was, instead of being so-called protected, it was actually administered uh, continuously throughout the day in smaller doses. They were not able to show even a difference in nitrogen balance. In other words, even the idea that it would result in less nitrogen loss to the environment or something like even that idea isn't valid. And so uh, this has been a real stumbling block in trying to address that. Now, back in the, I'm going to say the 70s, there was concern for what we call urea toxicity. And that is the idea that that when we supplement urea, if it's released very quickly in the rumen, the possibility of an over-supplementation, let's say in, in the feed mill, that feed mixing wasn't done properly. And so, you know, a, an excess amount of urea was put in the diet. In that instance, you know, they were, the belief was that by providing a, a slow release urea, you would have less problem with potential toxicity due to urea. And urea toxicity 
is a real uh, issue for feedlot mm -hmm. because, uh, as you know, feed mixing can, from time to time, be a problem. But it would be rare. In other words, it would be something that, given the cost of protected urea versus urea, that cost is so great, uh, that difference is so great, that it doesn't seem uh, that uh, because of the risk of urea toxicity is so small, relatively speaking, it would not pay the additional cost of, of that. So what happens is that when urea is fed, even though it's rapidly hydrolyzed in the rumen, we have tremendous amount of recycling back to the rumen from the, from the blood. And because of that, the animal is able to normalize. And so basically what we end up with is that in order to meet the microbial requirements, uh, we only need to supply about 25% additional in other words, you can meet 75% of the microbial requirement for growth and due to recycling still achieve maximal net protein synthesis. So this is, this is the problem. Now, looking at it from a slightly different perspective, when we feed diets like we're talking about in Brazil, let's say cracked corn or dry processed corn, there's a number of meta-analysis that show that those types of diets do better with intact protein than with uh, urea. Urea is, is actually advantageous with steam flake corn diets. In other words, with steam flake corn a diet, those trials where they supplemented with urea actually outperformed natural protein, uh, say soybean meal or peanut meal, canola meal or whatever else. So basically this leads then to this other aspect, and that is that uh, because dry processed grain tends to respond more favorably to natural protein, then maybe, mm -hmm. maybe uh, the slow release idea uh, would be, you know, could be a substitute for natural protein. Unfortunately, even that doesn't work. So, the, but, but you can see the concept. You can see where, you know, people might think, okay, I'm feeding a dry processed corn, so maybe, maybe I can get a more advantageous response uh, because of the differences in rate of fermentation in the rumen. Would, would be different, but... Yeah, there there is no much benefit of of switching the type of urea in, in feedlot diet. I think that's what our listeners want to hear, and I think that's a really good answer, Doctor Zing. I always impressed with with your knowledge and, and the things that you bring to us. And one other thing that I will ask, just because we are talking about urea, could you explain a little bit something that we talked the other day and the potential that the urea has in the rumen to work as a buffer as well? Actually, what we see, as I mentioned just a minute ago, we've done, in fact, even some of my graduate students have done careful studies where they've looked at infusing urea into the rumen versus uh, feeding it in, in pulse doses. And, and we've demonstrated that, in effect, you know, you can supplement, you provide the animal with only 75% of the microbial requirement for available, rumen available nitrogen and still get maximum protein synthesis. However, uh, what happens is that in performance, when we look at a performance study, when we look at animal, actual animal performance, we see that animals perform to levels of urea greatly in excess of the amount required to sustain maximum microbial protein synthesis, which is theor theoretically the objective of feeding urea in the first place. But uh, now this is kind of a conundrum because here we're feeding a higher levels and we're getting an actual growth performance response when in metabolism, we're not seeing the basis for that on microbial synthesis or on uh, necessarily on digestible organic. So 
you know, what's happening. And this gets to what you just mentioned, Pedro, and that is that sometimes we overlook the fact that urea is, in fact, an a powerful alkalizing agent. In other words, uh, it is a, a carbonyl amide. It has, there's every molecule of urea has two molecules of ammonia. And, uh, and when these are released in hydrolysis, they quickly at low ruminal pHs that are characteristic of feedlot type in ruminal environment, they quickly grab onto a protein to become ionized. And when they do that, they're pulling hydrogen out of the rumen. So they are, in fact, a significant buffer. And, and it's probably the most inexpensive buffer that you can add to the diet would be to add greater amounts. And that's why you'll see feedlots adding as high as 2% uh, urea to the diet, or I've even seen, for example, in Brazil, three. Mm -hmm. All right, but you can see that you can see adding as high as two percent. We typically add about one and a half, one point six percent urea to our diet, uh, which is in excess of the requirement for microbial growth. But this is looking forward to this buffer advantage because this is this the first hour to two hours after the animal has a feeding bout, the ruminal pH will reach its lowest point. But this is also coincides with the, the very rapid release of this ammonia, producing these ammonium ions and, and alkalizing the rumen during that time. So it, it provides a significant buffering uh, during that initial, very important initial period. Saliva does that also. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we, we like a little roughage in the diet so that the animal will masticate and not eat so fast, slow down the rate so that we can have more saliva and that that initial buffering due to saliva is also important during that very uh, first hour to two hours after the animal eats. No, that's great. Thank you, Dr. Zing. I think that answered our question. Brooke, do you have any other comment, anything to, to ask or add? No, nothing from me. Well, I think that's a good way to start with our quizzing. Uh, I thank you again, Dr. Zing. I'm not sure. Do you have any final any final comments that you want to leave with our, our listeners? No, thank you very much. It's enjoyable. Thank you for joining us. I, I appreciate it. And if you guys want to send more questions to Dr. Zing, please send an email to the kettlecallucd at gmail.com. We also leave the link below uh, this episode. So you want to, if you want to subscribe to our monthly newsletter and keep in touch with, with what we are doing. Thank you very much for listening again. I appreciate it and hope to see you guys in our next call. Thank you. Singing this lonesome cattle call.